on the heels of the busiest night of sports that we may have seen in our lifetimes. We have a Femi and Ferrey podcast. You there, my friend? I am here, and I am ready to go. We are living in a post-sports equinox world. <laughs> and that would how be, about that? I they mean, said at PPE, it's PSE. We have been sports equinox. We've gone months and months without sports. And as of late July, we started to get some more activity going here. Uh Yesterday was the culmination of what had been a long and treacherous four and a half Mm. months as we had 10 North American sports leagues all in action. As we welcome back the NFL, Mike, my favorite time of the year, the fall because of the NFL. Oh, I know. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. What'd you think of that um, that Chiefs game? You know, I thought it was rather normal given the circumstances, you know? I mean, right. the Chiefs, they're in a unique spot since they're allowing fans. I believe it was up to 22% capacity is what it ended up being. So it sounded normal. I mean, when you saw it, it was like, oh, what, is this a preseason game? Not that many people there. But right. when you actually heard it and they were just focusing on the play on the field, it sounded kind of like a normal game except for, Maybe a less of a roar when you saw a touchdown scored. But, I mean, I thought the play, given that these guys have only had about three and a half weeks or so to prepare, was pretty good uh, relative to expectations. And, you know, I mean, the Chiefs are also good. So they won by a couple touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought overall it was a, it was a pretty good night uh, for football. And I'm excited to see what's, what's on tap for Sunday. You know, we got a fresh slate. I think 13 games that we have for Sunday. So, uh I'm pretty fired up for it. Yeah. So we, we thought maybe we would do something a little, a little different and, and just fire away with candid questions for each other. Uh, because I think if we were just able to not socially distance and be here in the sports office, it's probably what we would be doing. <laughs> just yeah, I mean, really? going, going back and forth. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like the uh, Cornizer Wilbon show. We just start topics and start firing away. So, so you're up first. Yeah, but also before we want to let the people know, uh, subscribe, rate, and review as always on all your podcast formats. We appreciate all the support. Leave a review if you would like, but uh, make sure you subscribe so that you get these downloaded whenever they go live into your podcast feed. So to start off, I figured we would go in the direction of the Seahawks and Falcons kickoff Sunday, 10 a.m. West Coast time. It is on Fox. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. And Mike... Seahawks football season 2020. Here we go. Right. What is your biggest concern heading into the regular season? And uh, the Seahawks 16 and 6 in 10 a.m. games uh, since 2013, which is actually remarkable because in the Holmgren era, that used to be such a big deal. The whole 10 a.m. games, he could not figure it out. Pete Carroll just doesn't care. They just go play, they do their thing, and they win games. It's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> it's a whole yeah. different mindset. Um, I, I think for a lot of people, um, yeah. Just to let me know as well, I think the defensive line is a concern. However, hearing Bruce Irvin's conviction this week that, you know, the line is aware that no big name was signed. Bruce said that. And he wants to prove a lot of people wrong. And they have a nice little mix of, uh, of veterans and young guys, um, I, I think, between uh, Benson Moya. Did I say that right again? I always say his name. Benson uh, Mayoa. Mayoa. Not, not the other way. Yeah. you're my sports nomenclature aficionado and and Bruce I mean that's that's 15 and a half sacks and they had a second to last number of sacks in the NFL last year with 28 
So those two combined last year would have been more than half of the Seahawks sacks. And that was even with Jadavian Clowney, even though not for the whole season because he missed a lot of time with injuries. So I think the defensive line and how they can get after the quarterback and influence the game will be uh, a, a big part. However, while you didn't sign Clowney and you don't have that, that presence, you do have the other guy, number 33, that had six and a half sacks last year. So what they I, – I think Pete Carroll is just licking his chops on what he can do with Jamal Adams, and I think we all just can't wait to see what Jamal Adams is going to do in this Seahawks defense. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they say they're going to use him in some creative ways. We know mm. that's how Jamal was used at his previous stop with the Jets. So I think they'd be doing the defense a disservice if they didn't use Jamal in, as a Swiss Army knife because he is a playmaker. He doesn't have a position. His position is playmaker, and mm-hmm. let him go do that and uh, let him find the football to create some turnovers. You know, I grew up a Jets fan, and I still like the Jets, but we are talking about the Jets. I think Jamal Adams was already great. <laughs> I think yeah. he's just going to flourish here in Seattle. Is defensive line also a concern of yours? Or what? what when you look at this – whole team top to bottom what is your concern going into Sunday I mean defensive line has to be a concern Um, I'd probably put it at the top Uh, I would say defensive line 1a 1b being the offensive line which is Mm -hmm. pretty scary in my eyes when your two biggest question marks are the line of scrimmage on both sides yeah, You know, I mean, the old adage is that the game is won and lost in the, in the trenches. And mm-hmm. the Seahawks, it's uh, the trenches, I would say, is probably a C minus at best, if we're being kind. So I think they're asking a lot from their skill guys. You know, if this was a seven on seven season, I think the Seahawks would be up there with all the contenders. But it's not a seven on seven season. They play 11 on 11. And uh, you got to put both of those. I mean, you're talking about an offensive line that has three new starters on it, and there was limited time in training camp, no OTAs, no mini camp, so not a whole lot of time to gel. And I think when you spoke to some of the guys throughout training camp, that was kind of the thing that they talked about quite a bit was, hey, we're trying to do any and everything to try to gel, group text messages, you know, kind of hanging out at the facility just to kind of get to know one another because your only returning starters are, Dwayne Brown at left tackle and Mike Upati at right. guard. You have a surprise in Ethan Posick at center starting. You have a right guard, Damian Lewis, who is a rookie. And then you have Brandon Shell, who the Jets let go starting at right tackle. So I think that offensive line is going to be a big question mark. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be 1,000% tested against the Falcons on Sunday, but mm-hmm. going forward in your division – um, I, I think that it's something that's definitely going to come up, especially when you play the team that is the reigning division champs, the 49ers. Yeah, it's uh, and the division gets tougher and tougher uh, every year. And those are the games that, you know, they all count the same wins or losses. But when, you, when you're talking about the, the division, that's what's going to get you in the playoffs. And that's what you know can kind of carve your path through the postseason, so to speak. Uh, but we are in agreement there. On the trenches. Are you ready for my question? I'm ready for your question. Are the Sounders going to repeat as MLS champions? Ooh. Will they repeat as MLS champions? Gosh. They looked excellent last night. Uh, uh I mean, that's that's probably an understatement. I mean, you talk about five goals 
in the first 33 minutes, which is an MLS, MLS record. record. Yeah. And they had it going. You know, clearly the message was sent after a lackluster performance last Sunday against the Portland Timbers. And, you know, when you look at the table in the MLS, the Sounders are atop at the Western Conference. But, I mean, on the Eastern Conference, obviously Toronto will always be in the thick of it. Both Seattle and Toronto every year feel like they're on a collision course to the MLS Cup final. Columbus has been getting a lot of hype as a team that could do some damage. But it's tricky. Soccer can be such a cruel sport. And one thing Mm -hmm. can always go wrong. And that switches the game because there's not a lot of scoring. So there's a lot of variance in terms of what you can get uh, based on any given call, whether it be a red card or some sort of penalty in the box or whatever. So will they repeat? I mean, if you ask me now, obviously I'm going to take the field. But when they're on their game, and Will Bruin said it last week, I'm not sure there's a team in the league that can beat them. So I'm kind of hedging, Mike. <laughs> I'm hedging. If, if, you, right. if you tell me Sounders versus the field, I'm a betting man. I like the odds of taking the field. But at their peak, I believe Seattle is the best in the league. You know, they're in first place now. And it, it's been really odd, right, the ebb and flow of the season because they had the real – they had the CONCACAF. Then they had the beginning of the season. Then they get shut down. Okay, then they got to start again. And then they go ahead, do the MLS's back tournament, which is probably more like, you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, like training camp games, I guess, right? Yep. Just to get your legs back and, and get get back to where, you know, you want to be. You know, got a little kind of crappy taste in their mouth from that and then just said, hey, you know, we're going to go ahead now with the real season and, and get going. And they, they had their – um you know, and it's odd they're kind of chunking the schedule as they go through, and and they have games this month coming up. They're not going to play again until next week after last night's big win. So you're getting spaced apart. You know, you're getting fairly. It's not like there's what, what they have. Like, well, obviously they boycott the game in L.A., but uh, they had what four games in 13 days. It was something crazy like that. Yeah, it was a but, pretty tough stretch. Yeah, they they have a, a stretch of three games over nine days that will begin next Friday. Uh, against LAFC, then two road games against Portland and the LA Galaxy, which I imagine would be the makeup game for the game they didn't play yeah. uh, when they when they boycotted that game. Um, but when you watch a game like last night against a bad team like San Jose, they just look fantastic. And if you can start clicking like that on all cylinders and carry it over against an LAFC next week, I mean, I, I think LAFC is really good. Um, you know, they they – they beat them down in the MLS's back tournament, but that's like we talked about, that's kind of a different sample set. Um, and then the Sounders beat them right when they came up here. So, um, or was that down there, the LAFC and, and, and season three? Was was LAFC up here when the Sounders came like, on the playoffs? J- just recent, no, just recently. Oh, just recently. That game was, uh, that was up here, I believe. Up here. And then LA Galaxy was down there. Yep. That was when they boycotted. So, I mean, if they can keep it going. And this weird season, and, and Schmetzer's the guy to keep him, you know, kind of focused. Let's have it. That'd be awesome. A repeat. Yeah, I mean, a repeat would be a lot of fun, you know. I mean, <laughs> it, it would. Uh, it, it's not going to look like MLS Cup last year, that's for sure, no, given the times that we no. live in. But uh, we'll, yeah. we, we'll take any good news that we can get. And if they're able to make a run and we know what they're capable of and they're a really good tournament team and they know how to to, to win those types of games and grind them out, so uh, – like I said, I like their chances as, as much as anyone's, but uh, it's 
soccer can be a cruel, cruel sport. So yep. kind of yeah, you watch a lot of it, I know. So you know you know that well. Just kind of crossing our fingers here, hoping that, that they, they can get it done here as we get down towards the stretch. Uh, yeah. all right. So I have a question for you. On the diamond, mm. Mike, are you allowing yourself to get sucked into the Soto mojo and believe the Mariners can make a run towards the postseason? I am. I am. I and and, and it's it's based on when you have a young group of players that really can't be jaded and just goes out there and plays and they're all kind of fighting to maintain their jobs and spots and trying to prove a lot. You know, sometimes weird things happen. Um, they did not have a good series in San Francisco, but the Giants are really good. Um, and, and I think if, if Newsom doesn't get knocked out of the game, I think they end up with a split down there, actually. Um, but I, I think you're seeing guys like Dylan Moore really come of age. You know, I feel about Kyle Lewis, the, the kids, the franchise moving forward, uh, fun to watch. And the pitching has just been really good. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and I say this, I mean, you, I think you should kind of look at things as half full and half awesome. If you, if you focus on a half empty component of life, that's just, that's just going to leave you empty. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think why not? I, are you too cool that you can't get wrapped up and thinking that, hey, maybe this team has a chance? And if not, I'm going to enjoy every game while they make the run for it. You know, I mean, they have a big opportunity coming up now uh, with three games in Arizona. Oh. Arizona is not the Arizona is not the Giants. Um, they're you know they're nipping at Houston's Houston's heels, and they're in a situation where you know two teams from every division make the playoffs this year. So why not? I mean, is it going to be the asterisk year? Well, sure, it's a different year. But a championship's a championship no matter how they do it because they, they're they playing it out. They're figuring out a way. You still got to get into playoffs and you still got to try to win a championship. So, yes, I am sucked in. I always get sucked in by it. And why not? I mean, that's my thing is that why not get sucked in? You know, we had the six-game win streak. Obviously, you mentioned – the Giants series wasn't great, but the Diamondbacks are not a good team. You got to take two out of three there. Mm-hmm. The only apprehension I would have is that after that Diamondback series, there's really no breaks for the rest of the way. I mean, you're talking about a two-game right. set against the A's, two more against the Giants, three games against the Padres, three against the Astros, and then four to wrap up against the Oakland A's, who look like they're well on their way to winning the West. So the, the road is going to be uh, – it's the difficult one. Right. But, uh, you know, the difficult one is usually where uh, what leads to things that are worthwhile. So if they're if they're to make it, they will have earned it uh, as they're sitting at two games back here on September 11. I mean, when's the last time we'd be able to talk about Mariner baseball in the playoff race? Right. You in know? September. No, yeah. Why not? And and the thing is, as you mentioned, the, the teams that these guys have left to play. I mean, you very well may see the Padres and A's in the World Series this year. Yeah. That you might have an all California series if the state doesn't burn down before then. Um, you'll, you'll have it, and, and I don't say that in a in a, in a joking way. I, I say that they, they got some serious problems, like just watching that Giants game the other night, uh, the the orange glow. So I certainly hope things clear up because if you have a, that would be a fun series. Like I, I obviously would love to see the Mariners in it. That that's a long haul, but if the way the A's are playing. And I, I think the Padres right now, in my opinion, because the, the, the Yankees have a lot of guys that could be good, but they're they're playing horribly lately. But the Padres, I think, top to bottom, are the best team in baseball. Wow. When, when have I ever said that? 
Wow, you, you, you think they're better than the better than the Dodgers? Yeah, I, I do. I do because the the Dodgers to me haven't won me over with their postseason performances. Yeah, it's it's tough. They they just haven't. I mean, the Dodgers have talent. Don't get me wrong, but remember that edge I was talking about about some guys maybe want to prove themselves, be a little different. I mean, the, a guy like an Austin Nola that will get a chance to shine in the playoffs. I just I really like the Padres. Even though they're three and a half back, the Dodgers. I'll take the Padres. They're a fun team too, man. The, uh, Tatis has got to be one of the probably the funnest players in the in the league. I mean, Machado is obviously really good. Uh, they just got really good bats, and you know if they can get the pitching thing worked out, the the, the bullpen is a little bit of a question mm-hmm. mark, but uh, they certainly have the talent. And in these best of three setups, you know, all it takes is maybe one pitcher goes seven innings one game, and then you all you need is another game. So. Right, it's, that's uh, true. It, it's it's going to be <laughs> to throw something at the wall and see what sticks. That's that's what we're going to see this October. Uh, yeah, and you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch the playoffs like this because hopefully we'll never experience it like this again. But it's going to be fun to watch because it is going to be such a – everything's truncated, right, the season, everything. So to get that kind of excitement is going to be pretty cool yeah. to watch. We'll just kind of throw that into our, our, our pot of – Good sports things that are brewing, and it, and it could be in a bubble too. I know they're discussing about having they the should. playoffs in a, yeah. bubble, in a bubble, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how that kind of plays itself out. Why not? All right, my question for you now: Can the Seattle Storm win a WNBA championship if Sue Bird cannot come back from her latest knee injury? You know, this is a question that if you had asked me this at the start of the season, mm-hmm. I would have likely said no. But having seen this Storm team play and how deep they are mm. and the way they just get better every single game, I mean, this is a roster that goes nine deep or so. I mean, they, when healthy, they go 10, 11 deep. Right. But, I mean, I got to say yes. The Storm are as good at, as advertised and probably a little bit better. Uh, you have – the likely MVP in Brianna Stewart, it'll probably be between her and Asia Wilson. Uh, my guess is that Sunday's game will probably decide who wins the award, to be honest. Mm. That's a, mm-hmm. a game that you'll see on Como. Uh, you'll have to have the two screens going. I think that game tips off at 1230. That'll probably oh, wow. be the start of the fourth quarter of the Seahawks-Falcons game. So right. we're starting to t- – we're, we're stretching our limits here. The Mariners will be going <laughs> as well at the same time. Oh, gosh, so we're, that's going to be a crazy to, day. We're starting to stretch the li- – <laughs> we're stretching ourselves rather thin. But, right. you know, I think it'll be an interesting game come Sunday, and the winner of that game will likely be the number one seed – and I think whoever wins the number one seed will probably win the MVP between Stewart and Wilson. But, mm. I mean, Jordan Canada, more than capable of stepping up. We saw last year she was a starting point guard of a team that made the playoffs and won a playoff game. So we know what she can do. Jewel Lloyd, I mean, the gold mamba, she's clutch as ever. The shot she made last week was amazing against the it LA was Spartans. the game. Yeah. And, and you have a front court. I mean, Alicia Clark is obviously a really good player. Magbagor coming off the bench. You know, Sammy Whitcomb, she can tee it up from distance. So I'm just listing off all these names of players right. who are capable. And I haven't even listed Natasha Howard, who's the reigning defensive player of the year. This Storm team is so loaded and they're so stacked. I mean, they're differential. They're winning games by an average of 11 and a half points per game mm. as their winning margin. So at 17 and three, I think we're looking at a team that's rather special and they seem determined. 
And you get the feeling that they felt that last year they didn't really get the chance to properly defend their title from 2018. And right. from tip-off, they've looked like a team that is really on a mission to kind of be able to get back to that championship level. And they have done everything to do that so far through this regular season. As we're about to wrap up the regular season here on Sunday. Right. And I think the one advantage they have to the Storm maybe getting Sue Bird back, I mean, with their play, as you said, they've been dominant in the in the wobble. Um, they have the double bye. Yep. So, I mean, they're right into the semi. So, if they've earned that and pursue to come back, maybe I, – I don't – I don't know with the – they're being cautious with the game she missed during the regular season. But, I mean, the, the encouraging thing was she came back to the bench. Uh, she did walk off uh, before she was examined on her own power. She looked really pissed, <laughs> which I, I'm, I'm, I would be too. I'm sure the frustrating <laughs> – the frustration has to be mounting, you know. With, I mean, sure. she's in, she's out, she's in, she's out. So. Right. And they, they do look great when all cylinders are clicking, but I do like Jordan Canada too. If, if Sue can't be there, it'd be fun, fun to watch them. Yeah. As long as they got Stewie and they still, and they don't suffer any more uh, injuries. I, I, I like their chances to be able to, uh, to get a title. I mean, it'd be a second one in three years. At that time you start talking potential dynasty mm. stuff, you know, it's, yeah, they, they are deep, they are talented, they're versatile and give coach Kloppenberg, a lot of credit at the beginning of the season. He said, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to just kind of hang back because this team, they, they don't <laughs> need to be micromanaged. They know what they're doing. You know, Dan Hughes is being able to help remotely. So right. it's, you know, there's not a whole lot that needs to be tinkered with, with this team. And they've shown that they're more than capable of being able to kind of run themselves almost to a, to an extent, you know, it's uh, it's, it's been a fun season to watch. And uh, we, we look forward to what should be a pretty deep playoff run. Exciting times. Storm doing well. Sounders in first place. The the Mariners contending, if you will, and then the start of the Seahawks season. What else you got? One question I want to ask you. I want to go back to the NFL. Go back. To sure. The yeah, we should go full circle. Yeah. And as we tie the bow upon this Femi and Ferrari Furious podcast that we've got going on here, a little little condensed <laughs> shortened version for the folks to nibble on here as we enter in Week One of the NFL season. Do the Seahawks almost – it's almost three questions. Or I'll just ask you just an uh, overall question. What will the Seahawks' record be at the end of the season, and what do you think their chances are of winning a Super Bowl? Wow. You know, I did see – I love the prediction times. I know you're a big predictor too. and I, I, I like some of the stuff just, you wrote. and soak, soak it all in. You know, <laughs> would you agree – when it comes to predictions that everything is predicted in a perfect world yep. in the NFL, more than anything, anybody ever asked me, or I'm sure you, you, you get a lot of the questions, how are they going to be? How are they going to be? I, I mean, you know, kind of the neighborhood of what a team can be, but if there are significant injuries, that's going to impact the team greatly more than maybe any other sport, especially if it's a star, you know? And so to me, you know, everything, being okay and Bobby Wagner playing well and KJ staying healthy and Russell staying healthy and Chris Carson not hurting something, you know, we can go on and on, right. About the, the scenarios, which could maybe set back the Seahawks. But I, I tend to be in a, a, that 10, anywhere between 10 and six and 12 and four is, is kind of my thing. I see 11 and five. I also saw a prediction 
maybe you, I forgot who wrote it this this week. It was, you know, the Steelers and the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Wow. And and I I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's all on injuries. Do they have the horses? I I would feel better if I saw some preseason football. If I saw that that first unit play preseason game number three into the third quarter, how they held together, how they clicked. Because I think we went in the very beginning, we talked about games in the trenches. And I go back to the uh, playoff game they lost down to Carolina, uh, I think maybe three years ago, a second-round game. Um, they got dominated in the trenches. It was like Marshawn's last official full season with the Seahawks. And that's going to be the difference. So I want to see how Robinson does and the, the younger guys play in the defensive line and, and also how the old, old guys hold up. And, you know, I, we had an injury report this week, Dwayne Brown's knee. I mean, were they just holding him out? Obviously, cause he's a veteran. It was a Wednesday. I think, yeah, I, mean, like, I, think, oh, no. I think you got him something oh, nice no. that day. Right? <laughs> I was like, Oh no, here we go. So, you know, that, that to me is the, the, the big difference, but, if they stay stay healthy, could they make a pretty deep run? Yeah, I I, I think so, and I think you got those DK Metcalf on one side, Jamal Adams on the other. You have a lot of special players, and of course Russell. I mean, the guy just loves to win. He's fun to watch. I love his attitude; it's infectious, um, and he makes things happen. So, and it's gonna be year what year number nine for him, right? In the in the NFL, year nine so, for uh, year Paul nine. Russ. Yeah, maybe it's his best. I I, I don't know. Uh, and, and how much of an impact will no fans in the stadiums be, at least for the first three home games for the Seahawks? Who knows what's going to happen after? Uh, you know, what, what, what type of impact? Because they, they've, they've had some stinkers at home, even with fans, yeah. the, the past few years. And that, that happens. Uh, I think they're, last year, they're a better road team last year, right? So Yeah, what, they were 7-1 and one on the road, I think. Yeah, maybe there's a – yeah, 7-1, right. There's a different attitude. So – I don't know. You're, what, what about you? You know, I'm. I, I hate to be the wet blanket guy. You know, that's. Uh, I like to carry myself as a positive human being. The one. I thing, know, but during fire season when it's hot, I take a wet blanket. Right now. <laughs> I'm honestly, just kidding. <laughs> we probably do need a wet blanket with all the. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fire away. But the one thing that you can say confidently about the Seahawks is that going into each season, you know that their floor is really high. The floor right. is always high because they have Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the great equalizer. Russell mm-hmm. Wilson is probably the second best quarterback in the league. And he's what makes things go. So you at least know right. if he's able to stay healthy, this team should be able to go 500 minimum. Right. The, oh, no doubt about it. The issue that I have with the team, and it's going to kind of go full circle back to concern 1A and concern 1B, which is the defensive line and the offensive line. And teams that typically falter or don't meet expectations, it's usually pointed to the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And that's where I get concerned with this Seahawks team. And I think they obviously have a chance to win a Super Bowl because if you have Russell Wilson, you have a chance. Things break right. You don't know what happens also around the league. But the problem I have is that we know best case scenario doesn't happen often in an NFL season. We mentioned the hurdles that go on throughout this marathon of four months. And ultimately I think the percentages just say 
that this team, the most likely outcome is probably nine and seven, 10 and six mm-hmm. at best, maybe in an 11 and five. But I mean, if the record I have in my head and have had in my head all off season has really been nine and seven just mm. because of the lack of a pass rush. I know the guys, they, they, they're fired up, they're motivated, but I'm just going to have to see it to believe it. And the offensive line, it's always been a big question mark. So, oh, why does it matter even more now? Because it's always been a question mark since 2015. But I just think that when you have an offensive line that's a little, it's a little shaky and mm-hmm. you have a defensive line that's not going to make a lot of teams uncomfortable, it's, it's going to be hard to get stops and it's going to be hard to, to kind of dial up those long-range bombs to DK and Tyler if right. Russell has to get the ball out quickly due to O-line not being able to hold up. So if you ask me, I, I do believe they make the playoffs. There's seven teams that make the playoffs this year for the first time as opposed to mm-hmm. just six. The Seahawks sneak in as that last playoff spot, in my opinion. But it's going to be, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be difficult, and I think that starts this Sunday. You think the Niners win the division? I do. I do think the Niners win the division. You know, they're dealing with their own injuries themselves. You know, Debo Samuel, Mm -hmm. he's already declared out. And uh, their first-round pick, Brandon Ayuk, is questionable. He should play, but he's been banged up through the offseason and training camp. Um, They lost DeForest Buckner. They traded him to Indianapolis. They drafted Javon Kinlaw to replace him, but that's a rookie. He's not going to be as good as DeForest Buckner. He might be as good as DeForest Buckner one day, but it's not going to be this season. Um, so that's they kind of dip down a little bit there, but you figure that Joe, uh, Nick Bosa rather will probably make an improvement from his rookie year to now his second year. Uh, the secondary, Richard Sherman had a heck of a year last season. If he can stay healthy, I'm sure that'll be able to keep things back together. They were they battled a lot of injuries last season. They so did. You figure that they should be a little healthier this year, but they've been hit by the injury bug once again uh, to start the season here. But I think just from a coaching standpoint. And what they have on the uh, offensive and defensive lines, uh, I, I got to say that they probably have the highest floor of any team in the division. So uh, in a competitive division, I, I got I to go with the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I think uh, going back to the Seahawks offensive line, and I know we got to wrap things up here. My, my, my question or maybe a thought on that is, I think I would feel better about, I mean, I, I think this could be the case for any offensive line. I, I would probably feel better about the Seahawks offensive line if they had OTAs and minicamp and that actual time together. I think more than any unit on the field, these are guys that need to know each other, that work together as one. And that's only only happens when you have those extended practices and that time together. And they didn't get that. So they've, they've had over the past month, but you're talking months. You know what I mean? And when you go to an OTA practice and you see how they drill together, together constantly, I, I, I think that's going to affect a lot of offensive lines, but especially this one when you're talking about half of them being new. Yeah. I, I think even just the preseason as well. You know, the Seahawks are one of the few teams that right. actually takes the preseason seriously and plays their guys uh, a substantial amount. So I think that would have been time for these guys to gel a little mm-hmm. bit. And just not having that time, it's going to be difficult um, but before we wrap things up, Mike, I know you're not a big predictions person, but I want a prediction for Sunday Seahawks at the Falcons. What happens in the first game of the season? So if I do this, are you going to do one? Too? I'll do one as well. Okay, good enough. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not gonna leave you. you know, I'm not gonna leave you hanging out there. Because <laughs> you know, no, because because you know, I, I hate doing predictions. Uh, because I'm almost always wrong, and I feel like I jinx <laughs> things. But I do think the Seahawks come away with a victory, thirty-three to twenty-seven. Thirty-three twenty-seven. There's gonna be points. A lot of points that we're. Expecting. Yep. Based based on that, it might be a higher score, but I think I'll cap it at sixty. No, I think I think that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about it for a while and it's a toss-up this game is such a toss-up you know the falcons had a really awful start to the season last year that wasn't really a true representation of what they are in terms of talent uh this is a roster it's gonna be fun to see their receiving core against the seahawks secondary you know julio jones is probably as good as it gets at wide receiver Mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley is one of the best number two receivers in the league. Those are two studs that they have. Matt Ryan, he can always put up points, especially in that dome there in Atlanta. And it's going to be a lot of points. But then I, I think what we'll see is that there won't be as many points early just because teams will be getting adjusted. But then I think the scoring gets going in the second half. I have Falcons 27, Seahawks 24. Uh, oh, really? A road I, loss I, I, to begin the season. I have a road loss to start the season. I think this Falcons team is a little bit better than people are leading, are being led to believe. And I think it's just this game could go either way. I honestly think it's a coin flip. And if it's a coin flip, I, I got to side with the home team, uh, especially with all the COVID protocol and COVID travel. Right. That, that stuff is still a little unknown. I know the Seahawks are leaving today, but it's still a little bit of a question mark. But I got Falcons 27, Seahawks 24. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. We, we obviously better to, and more fun to report on wins than it is losses, but, uh, it's going to be a tough one. If they can win this game, it'll really show a lot, uh, in my opinion, yeah. as we start the season. It's interesting. We both have the Falcons scoring the same amount of points, me and a loss for Atlanta, you and a win for Atlanta. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I wrote those down on paper so we can talk about we, it. Sunday. We can revisit it Monday. Cause I tend to forget my, uh, <laughs> my predictions as soon as i say them but i got it i got over here by the shakeem griffin and ken griffey jr bobbleheads there you go the, the picks are there the picks are in <laughs> the picks like, what, are what, in what, what was that who was what show was that the picks are in uh i think it's the, the nfl draft is usually what we were... right right the pick is in the, yep, the, yep. the pick is in the, the pick is in <laughs> the podcast is in uh, yep. it, it's been a fun one it was a shorter one hopefully just due to time constraints today, we had to make it a little bit shorter, but hopefully down the road we can get back to the, the normal 50 to 55-minute length. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's pandemic. People got time, right? People have time, go. man. So when you're either when you're stuck in that West Seattle commute like I usually am or if you're just hanging around the house and you're looking for some entertainment, uh, Femi and Ferrari hopefully is able to fill that void for you. As uh, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Spotify. We're on all of those. So wherever you are, you can find us. Any uh, any final thoughts, Mike, before we sign off? Uh, let's go LJ Collier. Let's get that first sack, buddy. <laughs> all eyes on LJ and all eyes will be on the Seahawks-Falcons game. Sunday, 10 o'clock is your kickoff. Storm also playing Sunday. Mariners playing Sunday. It's sports equinox Seattle style, so it's going to be a lot of fun, Mike. So uh, I'll talk right, with you soon, and uh, let's see how this thing goes. NFL is back, folks. Get excited. I'm excited, and here we go.